Would you take your word of God, please, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke? The Gospel of Luke, we're going to begin reading in chapter 11 in just a moment. I appreciate the opportunity to speak for the Lord and appreciate this church family, how good God's been to all of us. Of course, we're all praying for Brother Andrews and his wife and family. We're glad they're on the mend. He'll be back with us soon, as Brother Heath mentioned. When he asked me to preach the other day, I said, Lord, help me. I don't know what to preach. You're going to have to confirm that the message you won't preach is your message. And he seemed to do that as I was studying and preparing the last few days. And, and then when the songs were played this morning, the offertory, I must tell Jesus, Brother Ben, the Lord confirmed it. And then when Laura said, the Lord wants to hear your voice, wants to hear you sing, the Lord confirmed it again. And the thing that really confirmed us when she dropped the microphone and <laughs> it made it easier for me because I could laugh and relax a little bit. So <laughs> I appreciate that, Laura. Thank you. I've already been told by one of our wonderful church members that 11.45 is the time frame. And so we'll see what happens. Amen. But Luke chapter 11, would you stand with me, please? We're going to begin reading in verse 1 and read the first four verses. And this is where we'll begin the message. We'll look at some other scripture as we go along. But Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'd like for you to pay particular attention to verse number 2. In the first part of the verse where the Bible says, and he said unto them, when you pray. And I'd like to speak this morning to you on the subject of prayer, and I'm going to frame it in the form of a question. And here's the question. hope you'll answer it. I'm going to try to answer it myself this morning. How's your prayer life? How's, how is your prayer life? Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessed privilege we have to be in this place. Lord, to open the word of God with your people. And Lord, we're a needy people. We need you to speak to us. We ask you to do just that. May the Holy Spirit have free reign in our hearts. May we submit, may we yield even right now. And ask you, Lord, to speak to us. Please help us to crowd the things out of our mind that might distract, that might cause us not to be able to glean what you have for us from your word today. We thank you for our church, our pastor, his family. We do pray you continue to help them to feel better and to be back here soon. Brother Nate and his wife and their family as well and others, Lord, in our church family. We just ask for your help today. We need you. And Lord, help us to learn today what your word has to say about prayer. 
in the short time we have together. We'll be careful to give you all the glory and the praise for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Be seated, please. The message is going to come from Luke chapter 11, as I mentioned most of it, but I want us to look at another verse by way of introduction this morning found in Acts chapter 6. If you'll turn over there just for a moment, Acts chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1 down through verse number 7, and just one part of a verse that we want to focus on, but I want to give you the context here. Acts chapter 6, six and verse number 1. The Bible says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And here's verse 4, what I want us to think about for a moment this morning in the introduction. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Again, verse 4, where the Bible says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. This morning's message begins with this very first thought, number one, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. The Bible says we will give ourselves continually to prayer. The word give there in verse 4 has to do with us setting aside some time to the matter of prayer. Notice how specific it is. We will give ourselves continually to prayer. You know, one of the things, the hardest things that we have to learn in this life it's very simply this. We cannot do God's work without God. Now, I know all of us believe that intellectually that we can't do God's work without God, but very few of us, and I'm including myself here, actually practice it on a daily basis because many times we find ourselves trying to live our lives without God. But the fact is it's impossible to do God's work without God. In fact, Jesus said, for without me, ye can do nothing. In Acts chapter 6 here, everything's going great. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, the Bible says, daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says that the number of the disciples was multiplied. That's wonderful. The, the church is growing. Folks are being saved. Folks are being helped. But in the midst of all of the blessings of God, murmuring starts. And the Bible says in verse 1, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then it says in verse 2, that then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honor's report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, appoint over this business but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry 
of the word. I'd like to submit to you this morning in this passage of scripture that the murmuring that's going on here in the church is not the real problem the church was having. I believe it was a tool that God used to get these believers to see what needed to be done in their spiritual life, in their Christian life. You know, when things happen to us in life and in our lives, we should always take a second look at what's happening. Why is it happening? We need to see more sometimes, I say every time probably, than what's happening, the events, the circumstances. We need to take a second look to see why God allowed whatever it is to happen in our lives. For example, what is God trying to do when the events come, when the circumstances come? Why did God allow this? By the way, it's not wrong to ask that question. It's all right. What is the Christian life all about? What is God trying to do in my spiritual life? I want to tell you this morning, it's always the same thing. In every event, in every circumstance that happens to us in life, it's always the same thing, and it's this. It's always to bring us to the place where God wants us to be. It's always to bring us to the place where God wants us to be. In the case of Acts chapter 6 here, the church here, God allowed this murmuring in order to reveal what the real problem was. They were not giving themselves to prayer like they ought to. They were too busy serving God to the point that they were neglecting their time with God in prayer. You see, the enemy of prayer is not always evil or sin. The enemy of prayer in the life of a Christian many times is the ministry. It's the good things that we do. We think we have too much service to do for God, too much service to give to God, to spend time with God like we ought to in prayer, when in reality, the exact opposite is true. Time with God means time in prayer. This is true in our homes. You and I cannot be the parents that we ought to be. We cannot be the husband. We cannot be the wives that we ought to be if we don't spend the right time in prayer. It's true in our personal lives. How are you and I going to be the right kind of Christian? A Christian is a, one who's Christ-like. We're disciples of Christ. We follow Christ. How are we going to do that effectively and like we ought to if we don't have the right kind of prayer life? And let me say this just for a moment. I'm not talking about a prayer time. We need a prayer time. There needs to be a time set aside to pray. I'm talking about a prayer life. There's a difference. Jesus didn't have just a prayer time. He had a prayer life. Let me ask you your question. How's your prayer life? I believe the prayer life is the Christian life. Going to church being involved in activities, all that's fine and well, and we should do those things. I'm not knocking that at all. We should be busy serving the Lord, of course. But you can go through all of that and still not be right with God. But if your prayer life is what it ought to be, <laughs> what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. 
It's asking God. We'll look more at that in a minute. In any relationship, the way you improve that relationship, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's parents and children, it doesn't matter what the relationship is. The best way to, to make that relationship what it ought to be is to communicate, is to talk. Well, folks, aren't you glad God speaks to us through his word? I'm so glad I have a Bible. There are people in this world that have never seen a copy of God's word. Thank God in America we have the freedom to not only have them, but we can open them, we can read them, we can learn it, we can study them. Thank God for the word of God. But this is God speaking to us. But you know, a one-sided conversation is not very productive usually. God wants us to speak to him. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. I cannot bear these burdens alone. God wants to hear my voice. You see, God wants to hear from us. So again, I'm, this is still an introduction, by the way. Uh, we're going to try for 1145, but we'll see. Ooh, I only got four minutes if that's the case. <laughs> In fact, let me do this. This will help you. On my phone here. And I have, a, I have it silent, so it's not going to ring. So I have a, I have a clock. I'm going to put it right here. You heard about the little boy in church who asked his daddy, he said, Daddy, the preacher took off his watch and he sat up there in the pulpit. And the boy leaned over to his dad and said, Dad, what does that mean? What does that mean? And the father said, Son, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so putting this phone up here means absolutely nothing, but it makes us feel good anyway, amen. <laughs> I see, I done messed around and lost my place. Amen. <laughs> time with God means we need to spend time in prayer. How are we going to be the Christian we ought to be? How are we gonna, church, how are we going to be the church we ought to be if we're not spending time in prayer? Not only individually, not only in our homes, but even collectively. Yes. You know, there used to be such a thing as all-night prayer meetings. Yeah, When's the last time you were part of an all-night prayer meeting? Some of us have never been a part of an all-night prayer. And I'm not fussing saying we need to start all-night prayer meetings tonight. But what I am saying is we don't spend enough time in prayer normally. May God help us this morning. Would you answer the question with me this morning? How's your prayer life? A.C. Dixon was a Baptist preacher who lived long ago. He was the pastor of Moody Memorial Church in Chicago and also of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England, where Spurgeon pastored. A.C. Dixon said this, and it's quoted often. He said, if we depend upon an organization, we get what an organization can do. If we depend upon education, we will get what education can do. But if we depend upon prayer, we will get what God can do. Yes. R.A. Torrey said, nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies beyond the will of God. John R. Rice said, all our failures are prayer failures. Lee Robertson said, perhaps none of us really grasp the potential that is ours because of the access that we have to the throne of God. Dr. Jowett said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Folks, let me tell you something. Our prayer life, my prayer life, needs improvement. And I'm asking the Lord to help me today. And I trust you are too. How's your prayer life? Is prayer a priority in your life?
Notice the priority of prayer. We will give ourselves. Continue the prayer, it says in Acts chapter 6. Go back to Luke chapter 11 where we started. And I want us to see the pattern of prayer. The pattern of prayer. By the way, what is prayer? I mentioned this. What is prayer? In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. In that verse, you have the word call and answer. You have the word speaking. You have the word hear. What is prayer? Prayer is very simply asking. It's asking God. And the answer to prayer is God hearing and God answering. In Matthew chapter 6, I said Luke 11, I told you wrong, sorry. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here in what we call the model prayer, which is a mirror passage to Luke chapter 11, the Lord gives us an outline for our prayer life. This is not the Lord's prayer. We call it that. The Lord's prayer is found in John chapter 17. But this is a model prayer. And I want to take this model prayer very quickly. I'm already over time, so I can't do it before 1145. But I want to take this next few minutes and go over this prayer very quickly and ask a couple of questions as we go along the way. In verse number 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Here's some ingredients for prayer. Number one, have an expectant attitude. Do you know God knows what you need before you ask him? That's what the Bible says. Well, why in the world does the Lord want us to pray then if he already knows what we need before we even ask him? It's because God wants to hear your voice. God wants you to talk to him. God wants me to talk to him. Now, folks, that blows my mind this morning when I think of the creator God, the God of the whole universe, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords wants to hear from me. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I know it's true. The Bible says so. What a blessed truth. The Bible says, your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Before our requests ever leave our lips or even enter our mind, God already knows what we need. And it's because of this that we should take time every day 
as we begin to pray, to have an expectant attitude. How do you do that? Well, there's one surefire way to do it, and that's to remember the promises of God in his word. Even write some promises down maybe as you go to the Lord in prayer. For example, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Like this one, Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And then my favorite is Matthew 21, verse 22. In all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. How's your prayer life? Do you have an expectant attitude when you pray? Look in verse 9 of Matthew 6. After this manner pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Second part of this is do you have a heart full of worship when you pray? Notice it says, it begins with, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We should take time to hallow the name of God when we pray. So many times we just rush into prayer. We don't even think about or realize who we're speaking to. We're speaking to God. We need to worship him as we pray. What does it mean to worship God? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 22, you don't have to turn there, but you find the story of Abraham being commanded by God to take his only son Isaac and offer him up as a sacrifice. And in verse 5, Abraham is speaking, and he says this to the young men. He says, I am the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. That's the first time the word worship is found in the Bible. Worship in that verse means this. It means to bow down, to humbly beseech, to do reverence, to stoop. It means to adore, to pay divine honor to, to reverence with supreme respect, and veneration. When we worship God, there are three things we realize about God. Number one, who he is. Number two, what he does. And number three, what he's able to do. If you remember the story in Isaiah chapter 6, turn there with me if you will. When Isaiah is before the Lord... Isaiah chapter number 6. Verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I want you to notice what happened to Isaiah. 
In verse 1, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. In verse number 5, notice the effect it had on him. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. There's no selfishness in Isaiah at this point. When he saw the Lord as he was, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when he worshipped God in his presence there, his selfishness left him. There was no room for what he believed, for what he thought, for what he wanted, for what he thought should happen. It was all what God wanted and what God thought and what God thought should happen. When he saw the Lord, who he was, he saw himself as he really was, a poor, wretched, miserable, sinful creature. And so are we. We have no right to be in God's presence. The only thing that allows us to go into the presence of an almighty, clean, holy, thrice holy God is the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood. The Bible says it makes us nigh by the blood of cross and by the blood of Christ, and now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. By the way, that word boldly doesn't mean come in with, with all kinds of pride. That's not what it's talking about. The word boldly there means plain or usual speech. We can talk to God like we talk to each other. Why? He's our father. That's why. Used to be our judge, but when you get saved, he becomes your father. Psalms 46.10 says to be still and know that I am God. See, that's what worship does. Isaiah was worshiping God. He saw him, it makes you see yourself as you really are. And number two, notice what it did in verse eight. He said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Isaiah was completely surrendered to whatever God wanted him to do. That's what worship does. That's the effect it has on each of us. How's your prayer life? Do you have an expectant attitude? Do you have a heart full of worship? You know, we should just take time when we pray. Before we begin to start asking God for this, that, and the other, just to haul off and praise God a while. And thank God for his holiness. And thank God for his righteousness. And thank God for his omnipotence. He's all-powerful. And thank God for his omniscience. He's all-knowing. And thank God for his omnipresence. He's everywhere at the same time. Thank God that he's faithful, that he's true, that he changes not, he's immutable. Thank God that he's just and he's kind and he's good and he's loyal and he's dependable. And praise God, he's compassionate and he's merciful and gentle and great and wonderful and marvelous and miraculous and long-suffering. And on and on we could go. Instead of rushing into prayer, why don't we spend a little time praising the Lord? How's your prayer life? Do you have an expectant attitude? Do you have a heart full of worship? Number three, do you agree with God? Look back in Matthew 6 and verse number 10. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Are we in agreement with God? Are we satisfied with where God has placed us in his kingdom? Are we in agreement with the events and the circumstances and the trials that God has allowed in our lives? Some of you are in a trial right now. And if you're not, you just came out of one. And if you just came out of one, hang on, you'll be going to go into another one soon. That's the way life is. But are we in agreement with God about those things? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, many Christians 
are not in agreement with God. They're upset with God. They're angry about what's happening. They might be angry about a childhood event that took place in their past. Might be angry about a broken home or some physical illness or a lost dream. But the Bible tells us that can two walk together except they be agreed in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Are you and I in agreement with God over the things that happened to us and are happening to us? How's your prayer life? In verse 11 back in Matthew 6 it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Notice, give us this day our daily bread. Not me, but us. Not my, but our this is the part of our prayer time. We set aside time to go over our prayer list. And by the way, every Christian ought to have a prayer list. Every Christian ought to have a prayer list. Folks, there's no way you and I can remember everything. There's a book in the Bible called Deuteronomy. It's a book of remembrance. Even Moses had to rehearse to the children of Israel over and over again what God had done for them because we forget. Most of us have forgotten things that happened to us Ten years ago that God did for us. Or five years ago. Most of us have forgotten what God did for us yesterday. <laughs> Especially the older you get. Amen. But this is where we pray for others. Ask God for our needs. You know, on your prayer list, you ought to have an extensive list. You ought to pray for your family. Your husband, your wife. Husbands, are you praying for your wife? Wives, are you praying for your husband? Are we praying for our children, parents, our grandchildren? Are we praying for our church? Our church needs prayer. The devil's attacking our homes. He's attacking our churches. Are you praying for our nation? Oh, our nation's in desperate need of prayer. Are we praying for the missionaries that our church supports? There's close to 200 of them. When's the last time we prayed for them? Are we praying for the sick, for the unsaved, for other preachers that we know? Are we praying for the special needs that we might have? And let me say this, chase a rabbit real fast. We definitely should be praying for our pastor and his family. How can we pray for our preacher? Well, number one, pray God to protect him and his family from the devil, from every enemy. That ought to be on our prayer list. Number two, pray for God to prepare and use the preacher and his family as they serve him here at Central. Pray for God to help the preacher as he deals with problems. And let me tell you something. Every pastor deals with problems. Problems that the congregation never even know about. But they're abundant, I promise you. Pray for God to give the preacher divine appointments. Pray for God to give the preacher lasting fruit. Pray for God to lead the preacher as he leads others. And then pray for the preacher and his family's personal growth and blessings. We need to pray for our pastor. I know we do. We need to continue to do so and increase it. When George Mueller died, he had a prayer diary of 3,000 pages with over 50,000 documented answers. To prayer. Did you know God cares about our prayer requests? 
That's why I need to lay them out systematically before God because God cares. We should ask God for power, for provision, for wisdom, for love, for strength. When you pray, do you have an expected attitude, a heart full of worship? Do you agree with God? Are you asking God for your needs? And quickly, do you confess your sins? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. <laughs> to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so glad that's in the Bible. Years ago, Brother Ross Mixon was a member here, a deacon in our church. And before we did all this remodeling when the building was uh, brand new for the first time back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, we had all this orange carpet everywhere and three sections of pews. And the balcony was about the size it is, but there was seating under the balcony. The foyer wasn't as wide as its platform, a very narrow foyer. And Brother Ross used to sit up there in the sound booth. He was in the balcony at the time. I miss him as a dear friend. But he taught our Sunday school class that I was in as a single adult for years. And one of the things he used to say about 1 John 1 9, and I've never forgotten it, was this. He said, 1 John 1 9 is like the Christian's bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And every single day, you and I can get clean with God. When we pray, we ought to be confessing our sins. Well, Brother Gary, I can't remember all my sins. Well, join the club. Because I can't remember half of mine either. I commit so many. Amen. So do you. <laughs> But you know what we can do? We can say, Holy Spirit, would you remind me where I've sinned today? Would you help me remember? Because I want to confess it. You'd be surprised what the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind. You'll start remembering things that you hadn't thought about in weeks, maybe months or years. You see, I think it's important for us when we go to God in prayer not only to praise him and to ask him, but we need to be confessing our sins and getting our hearts right and clean before the Lord. Notice in the last part of this model prayer in verse 13. Verse 12 is what we just talked about. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is where we take the time to pray for not only ourselves and our family members, but also for our brothers and sisters in Christ to be delivered from being tempted by the devil. How many times would we have seen the way of escape that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 if we had just prayed for God to deliver us from the temptations of evil? How many times would our children maybe have seen the way of escape? We've been more faithful to pray that God would help them, give them spiritual eyes to see how many Christian leaders, pastors, workers, missionaries on the field would have been rescued from falling if they'd been lifted up before God by others who prayed for them to have the victory? When we pray, do we have an expectant attitude, a heart full of worship? Do we agree with God? 
Are we asking God for our needs? Are we confessing our sins? Are we asking God to lead us not into temptation? And last of all, in verse 13, it says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I mentioned this briefly already. We should be praising God when we pray. You know, the Lord alone is worthy of all glory. There's a song the choir used to sing. I think it's still back there in the, in the library of music. But all the glory belongs to Jesus. All the praise belongs to him. Don't kid yourself. We get to heaven and we won't be getting any glory for us. There won't be any, any praise for us. Some of us have had some loved ones leave us in the last year or two. Some recently. They've gone on to glory. They're having the time of their life with Jesus. I'm going to tell you what they're doing too. They're giving glory and praise and honor to him. You and I get to do that one of these days. He deserves all the glory. The Bible says, for thine is the kingdom. It's all his. And the power, he possesses all power. And the glory forever, he deserves all the glory. How's your prayer life? There's the priority of prayer. There's the pattern of prayer. And believe it or not, I'm on the last point now. There's the place of prayer. Look with me in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. In verse number 12. came to pass in those days, Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, continued all night in prayer to God. Look with me again in Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. It came to pass that as he sat praying in a certain place, the place of prayer, let me ask you a question. If the Lord Jesus needed to pray, do you think we need to? The prayer life of our Lord serves as an example for all of us. In Luke chapter 6, when it says he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God, Jesus is about to choose his disciples. Before he does, he spends all night in prayer to God. If you look in chapter Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Early in the morning, before anybody else was stirring, the Lord found it necessary to find a place to be alone with God and to pray. Folks, I believe it with all my heart. I really do, and I'm convicted as I speak about it. All of our failures are prayer failures. We don't pray. Many years ago, Brother Dennis Corll, an evangelist who's still preaching as far as I know, came to this church a few times over the years when Brother Williams was pastor. Brother Williams allowed me at that particular time when he was coming to preach a revival fires conference. I think they're still doing those, but 
to drive down to Gulfport and pick him up from the airport. And I was blessed. I said, praise the Lord, I get to go pick up the preacher and drive with him for an hour or so back to Hattiesburg. And I remember thinking how honored I felt, and I, and I did, to pick up the man of God and get a chance to pick his brain a little bit on the way and talk to him about some things. And I remember asking him along the way, I said, Brother Coral, you're preaching all over the country and all over the world, and you're in churches every week. I said, what is it that you're seeing in churches that's the same everywhere you go? Good or bad? I said, what is it that's the same? And he paused. He didn't say anything for about 20 seconds. It seemed like two minutes, but I'm sure it was about 15, 20 seconds. And I thought maybe he didn't hear me. I was about to ask him again. And he said this. I'll never forget it. He said, God's people don't pray much. God's people don't pray much. That convicted me when I heard him say it. How many years have gone by, and I'm convicted by it again as I think about it. How's your prayer life? Isn't it funny we have time for everything else in the world? But do we have time to talk to God? May the Lord help us to pray. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Just a moment, the instrumentalists are going to play. and Have a moment of invitation. We'll stand in a moment. But let me ask you with our heads bowed and eyes closed. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? If God spoke to you this morning and you have an opportunity to come and deal with him about it, I trust that you will. If you're here today, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You don't have a prayer life. There's one prayer you need to pray. And that's to ask the Lord to save you, come into your heart and save you and give you eternal life. Hope you're willing to trust him this morning. He died on the cross for your sins, shed his precious blood, was buried and rose again three days later, victorious over death, sin, hell, and the grave, so you could be saved and live forever with him in heaven. But you've got to trust him. You've got to receive him. You've got to accept his free gift of eternal life. Are you willing to do that today? Father, help us, we pray.